0: Welcome to the Wheel of... I'm just going to pour myself (laughs) some coffee. Okay, now (laughs) now you can go. Welcome to the Wheel of Sports, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally and with me is... Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery! Hi Ian! Hi Matt, we'll get the wheel spinning Matt. You you interrupted my first attempt at introducing this Joe by pouring some... What what are you pouring there? A bit of coffee, a bit of coffee, it's early morning here. (laughs) <laughs> all right, she's showing off now. Uh, the topic for this
1: episode is... It's golden moments, Ian. And I'm going to take this one, if that's all right with you. Go for it. I've been wanting to do this for a little while, and it certainly was a golden moment. Uh, gold being the operative word there. I want to take you back to the 4th of August,
0: 2012, and... Um, to London town. I thought you were gonna take us back to a Spandau ballet concert that you once went to. <laughs> the way the way you emphasise gold. gold yeah. So we're in August twenty
1: twelve. And it's the London Olympic Games. And um this day it's sort of become known as Super Saturday. Um it was the day that Great Britain or Team G B as uh, as they were known by the marketing department uh, team GB uh, had the had they recorded their most successful day at the Olympics since the 1908 games um, and there are just gold medals all over the place throughout this day
0: look we' we're, we're both from Britain Matt and it's fair to say that we've been you know, throughout my childhood, every Olympics that rolled round, I couldn't wait to get that monkey off the back, 1908 monkey off me back. I just wanted <laughs> us to have a, one successful day that blitzed the 1908 Games. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Well,
1: they'd been, I mean, to, to be fair, they, they'd they obviously spent a lot of money investing in the athletes um, to have a successful Games on the on the medal front, um, as well as having a successful games, you know, away from the uh, the medals. Um, and, I, and I think they did that, you know, I think it was it was received well, you know, as a game. Certainly I, I lived in London at the time and it was an incredible atmosphere. The stadiums were, were full, largely full. Um, you know, there's a really lovely atmosphere and there were some incredible stories uh, along the way. And, and Super Saturday is probably the one that I think most people certainly most British people think to and think yes what a day that was
0: I was actually going to bring this up Matt but I know you lived in London at the time of the Olympic Games are you doing this purely because this was the last time you were genuinely happy (laughs) (laughs) definitely a bit of that that. (laughs) (laughs) because like that was definitely a moment when the sun seemed to be shining on Britain on London and since then yeah four history years later, hasn't been, history hasn't been as kind has it so mm.
1: well let's get started though let's go back to uh <laughs> we'll take that as a, as an absolute yes but yeah i was happy then <laughs> i'm not now um anyway it's the 4th of august it's uh it's early morning uh, it's 11:36 in the morning actually and we're going all the way out out of london um to Eton Dorney where the rowing uh and a lot of the water Sports are taking place. Um, and the first medal for for Team GB that day was the Ren- rowing men's four. So Alex Gregory, Pete Reed, Tom James and Andrew Triggs-Hodge are able to beat the Australian team. So Team GB are prob- probably the favourites for this event. But huge pressure to beat the Australians. They're also expecting the gold. Um, and there's an epic battle. But for the six minutes, Team GB basically lead uh the whole pretty much the whole way round, um and Andrew Triggs Hodge one of the rowers uh said that if they were Picassos this was definitely their their masterpiece moment uh which I quite like as a as a quote and sort of everything just came together for the four of them it was yeah a, a bit of it it's it's also it's rowing so it probably isn't the most popular sport going at the Olympics as opposed to you know some of the track and field events it's much more oh that's nice but, you know, there's probably not huge, huge coverage for this one uh, or for the athletes themselves. But, yeah, they, they, they you know, they got us, got us off to a great start on that Saturday morning.
0: And that's at Eaton Downey, which is, uh, that was like a over £20 million um, development to put that rowing facility in, the lake and everything around it, which Eaton College uh, get to keep afterwards, I believe. <laughs> Which, which seems seems a bit.
1: <laughs> I'm not, I refuse to get into legacy stuff. Oh, it's not fair, West Ham United. Please don't. This is Super Saturday.
0: Also, I just want to say that that does seem a little bit overkill. If you go to school and are able to row in an Olympic lake, that is pretty cool, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> it's nice. Um, not long later after that, eleven
1: fifty-seven. Uh, And it's the rowing again. Uh, This time it's the women's double skulls. Um, Great name, that, isn't it? The double skull. Uh, It
0: sounds like an an insult. It does, doesn't it? Or some sort of, like, finishing move. I don't know. That that sounds like an insult. An ageing relief teacher would fire at (laughs) two boys at the back of the classroom.
1: (laughs) Well, this time it's Catherine Copeland and Sophie Hosking. And they are not at all favoured to win this. Um, they actually are starting in lane six and uh, they, they, they do incredibly well. Um, the Chinese were the strong favourites, but Team GB were able to, to overtake the Greeks and then the Chinese to actually go on and win it. And a an inc- really cool quote uh, from Sophie Hosking uh, as she crosses the line and turns to, to Cad Copeland. We're going to be on a stamp. Which I just love. <laughs> first, first thing
0: she says to a her, to her teammate upon winning gold: "We're going to be on a stamp." Um, that, that's that's a really nice, eloquent way of putting that because she could have like got muddled up and said, oh, so, "After this, someone's going to lick the back of my head." <laughs> we. <Weak.
1: laughs> <laughs> Um, so what the,
0: what the Queen says, isn't
1: it? There's uh, there's a bit of disappointment after that. Um, the men's lightweight double skulls uh, ends in disappointment. They The race, had, that one actually had to be restarted due to um, a problem with a broken seat uh, on the boat. So Zach Purchase and Mark Hunter, uh, the men's lightweight double skulls, they uh, didn't win. They got silver, um, which I think for them felt like a bit, a bit of a disappointment just to get the silver. Elsewhere, um, away from the rowing over in Hyde Park uh, Helen Jenkins who's the race favorite in the women's triathlon uh, misses out on the medals so pretty disappointing disappointing for her there um but meanwhile whilst all of this is going on there's there's great news coming out of the Olympic stadium for Jess Ennis who's who's competing um who we're going to talk about in, in a little bit more detail later but um for now let's uh let's jump forward um, to early evening um, so it's nine minutes past six and we're going to go over to the velodrome uh, in the Olympic Park where there's only one gold available for the day um, and it's the cycling uh, women's team pursuit and uh, team GB once again are hot favourites for this one.
0: So so far the medals none of the sports that we've won medals at Great Britain have won medals at anybody's been standing up in a stand-up they're all sit-down sports aren't position? They? They're all sit-down sports, aren't they they're all sit down sports indeed we're good at that <laughs> that is that is definitely a reflection of a nation who drinks tea <laughs> <laughs> so you just i'll, I'll do sports but i need to be sat down sitting down but very very impressive morning and i presume they do the the rowing and things earlier in the morning Maybe because the water conditions may be more favourable, or is it just tradition? I don't know how the order of the day is going. I Olympus, genuinely
1: but... do not know the answer to that.
0: Yeah, and the triathlon in Hyde Park as well. Are... I remember that being quite a, a difficult run as well. I think it was on kind of a gravel path, or it wasn't um, a really nice, clean surface, I don't think, either, so...
1: Yeah, I don't know. It was all around Hyde Park. I remember watching the footage of them swimming across the Serpentine, the lake in Hyde Park. Goodness me, it looks so violent. <laughs> like Everyone's elbowing <laughs> and kicking and, you know, they're swimming over the top of one another. It looked really, really rough stuff.
0: It is really brutal, the uh, triathlon. I mean, the, that swimming part as well, because it's the first thing that they do, everyone's hyped up with adrenaline.
1: Yeah, and they all and enter the water it, at the exact same moment, so oh, there's no there's no spaces between anybody, and they're all jostling for no. position.
0: And they're all wearing black wetsuits as well, yeah. so like you can't distinguish between anybody. Sounds my worst nightmare.
1: <laughs> but yeah, as I say, we're over to the velodrome now, uh, where Danny King, Laura Trot, and Joanna Ros- uh, Roswell uh, break the world record easily uh, in their heat against Canada, uh, and then they're going through to the final, and again just it's a it's a walkover. they absolutely smash uh the americans that's that's the third goal of of the day we'll jump across now to
0: the olympic stadium uh, where the athletics is being held can i just say before we go into the olympic stadium here is that at the time i don't do you remember there being a like this being a momentum thing that people are aware this could be super saturday
1: not at this stage not not to my experience not at this stage I I I actually was in the Olympic park that day I was watching the hockey I'm sorry to hear that <laughs> it was uh but then but I think I think the next 43 minutes probably changed it I mean I want to talk now about Jess Ennis now um Jessica Ennis-Hill uh since being married but at the time Jess Ennis in fact now Dame Jessica Ennis-Hill but at the time just Jessica Ennis she was sort of the golden girl of the team GB. She was very favoured. You know, she was sort of the face of the games. She was in all of the posters, all of the adverts. She she was she was expected to win, um, but also not walk it. Do you know what I mean? She wouldn't be. It wasn't wouldn't be a cakewalk for her. Um, there was a strong heptathlon field around her, but I think there was a lot of hope and expectation that she would do well, um, and and sort of. I read somewhere that they they were hoping that uh, she was the woman to be charged with delivering London's Cathy Freeman moment. Um, just, you know, I guess, I guess there was a weight of expectation on, on Jessica Ennis.
0: Yeah, so no pressure then. Deliver London's Cathy Freeman Yeah, London's. exactly. Yeah, no I pressure mean, at all. Yeah, and you're on every billboard. And to add to the fact that the heptathlon, it was seven events... It's extraordinarily demanding, and there's so many turns that you can So much get can go wrong, yeah. Or go wrong, yeah, or you underperform in, in one particular event, and it drags everything down. It's, that's so perilous. Yeah. So what happened? Well, but
1: this is it. So she's, as I, as I already mentioned, she's having a good day. So the, the heptathlon, as, as you said, Ian, it's, it's seven events over two days. Um, So I'll just go back and talk a little bit about her first day, just so you can sort of get the context of of how things are going. The first event of the first day is the 100-meter hurdles. Now, her time of 12.54 seconds was the fastest ever in a heptathlon. In in fact, it actually would have won the individual 100-meter hurdles gold at four of the previous five Olympics. So she gets off to an absolute flyer in the first event on day one, and in twelve point five four seconds, she's she's established a lead that would suggest you know she is in form, and despite all of the pressure that she, you know she she would have been fe- feeling and facing, uh, and the expectation you know she's got off to an to an absolute incredible start, and she has a good good first day. Um, so she starts Saturday morning in first place with a lead of one hundred and eighty four points, um, and she's she's a favourite, but. As, as you said, Ian, there's three events left and, you know, we're just sort of halfway and there's a lot that could still go wrong. And also, day two for, for Jess Ennis, these were sort of maybe some of her weaker events. So, long jumps up first. Her first jump is, is, is pretty disappointing. She only manages 5.95 metres. But by her third jump, she's up to 6.48 metres. So, she's added, you know, sort of half a metre onto her jump. Uh, by the end of it next up's javelin again n- probably not her greatest event in the 20 20- 2011 uh, world Championships, so just a year earlier she actually been beaten by the russian tatiana Chernova um by 13 meters on the javelin um and that had cost wow. her the gold now a- a low uh her medals later upgraded because tatiana chinova fails a drug test but i mean 13 meters that is a a heck of a distance.
0: It's also some very good drugs as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call him a drug cheat and I thought, no, I won't say that. I'll say she failed a drug test and, and you know, keep it keep it politically correct, but you I, won't.
0: I also think that, you know, after uh, Ennis's first... Like, saying that hurdles for the first event that she would have won in... Not in a heptathlon, but in a normal commoner garden hurdle events yeah. for the last four out of five olympics that's incredible like she would have put a big marker on her head for being drug tested herself you know like you'd i do wonder often how they mark people for drug tests whether it's done uh methodically or whether when someone does something really good they're like hey we've got to watch this person <laughs> you know and running like a, a an amazing time on your first event at a heptathlon is like that's definitely putting a red flag on your head, but uh, clearly there isn't because she's a dame. Yeah, dames no, she's don't do, a, a, dames don't do drugs. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> um, but but as I was saying there about the the javelin and in this year uh, twenty twelve, there's there's a, a remarkable swing in uh, Jessica Ennis' favour. Um, so she throws forty seven point four nine meters uh, to the Russian's forty six point two nine. So you know she's she's eaten into that 13 meter javelin throw um to give herself you know an, an incredible lead so the way the points work when you go in into the final event which is the 800 meters you can calculate how many points and how many seconds lead you have if you like so she was going into the 800 meters with a thir- with the equivalent of a 13 second lead so she could afford to be beaten by up to 13 seconds and still get the gold and 13 seconds you know in a you in know fairly short run like a middle distance run like 800 meters you know it's it's, it's probably going to be okay um but she has a seven hour wait to the final so she's just now got to sit and and wait for that final and this is this is where we get to it's it's now 9.02 or two minutes past nine in the evening and she finally is is ready to do the the 800 meters and as you know, she goes on to win and, and brings home the gold. Um, and this is maybe where there's there's huge interest, not necessarily in the idea of Super Saturday, but Jessica Ennis certainly, as I said, I was at the hockey. Everybody had iPads out and phones out and, and things like that to check. And, you know, people were, were sort of streaming it into the stadium. We're only sitting a couple of hundred metres away in a different part of the park and everybody stopped watching the hockey to hear about how Jessica Ennis was doing. So there was a real buzz for her.
0: Let's be honest, a lot of people were watching, like, Coronation Street or something instead of the hockey anyway. so. (laughs) (laughs) So that's such an exciting moment. Do you think, in retrospect, people, like, have concocted a bit of the Super Saturday notion, retrospectively, that they've said, okay, well now we look back and count up all the medals that, you know, from the rowing, et cetera. Or can you remember this now? Ennis is one that people are doing that in the moment.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, it was in the moment. It was already happening because we're, we're already having such an incredible team. GB were having such an incredible event, yeah, incredible Olympics. Um, our golden girls just won gold in, you know, dominant fashion. And then, it, you don't even really have time to celebrate it because she she wins her gold at 9.02. At 9.24, um, still in the Athletic, still in, obviously, same stadium. Uh, Greg Rutherford, who's the men's long jumper, um, wins gold again. So it's it's 22 minutes later, and we have another gold. Um, this guy, he got underway at 5 to 8. You know, the, these events can take, take a bit of time for everyone to jump. Um, and yeah within about an hour and a half he's he's won his gold his second jump um was of eight meters uh 21 he was he was at the leader he was top of the leaderboard from there on in and by his fourth jump 8.31 that extended his lead um and he ended up winning gold with with a jump to spare which he actually talks about as as one of his regrets because he knew he'd won gold and he wanted to go out and do one final jump and really, you know, do something remarkable. Um, but he but he was just too sort of excited or muddled and things. Cause again, Greg Rutherford was not at all favoured in this event, but the atmosphere inside the stadium, the atmosphere of the, the games was enough to to sort of carry him home. And um, as I say, he he won he wins gold with a jump in hand and you know, is is there twenty minutes after Jessica Ennis celebrating his gold, and as he starts to do his lap of honour around the stadium, Mo Farah starts his ten thousand meter race, so the ten k run begins just as as Riverford starts going around the track. So you can imagine to be in that stadium, you've just seen Jessica Ennis win gold. Twenty minutes later, you see Riverford, and now we've got Mo Farah. He, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure if he was the absolute favourite, but he was one of our most popular athletes. Um, You know, loads of charisma, doing things like the Mobot, where he would sort of mime the M out of the YMCA dance above his head and doing all of these unique things. He was always, you know, good chatterbox. Um, And he he starts and he's very popular. As I say, I wouldn't say he was the absolute favourite for this race, but he was one of the favourites. And you've now got, Greg Rutherford, leading the cheering from the trackside. And off goes Mo Farah with just 500 metres to go. He makes his move. He's roared home by the crowd. And he sprints through for Britain's third goal in the same stadium in 43 minutes. So in 43 minutes, this, you you know, there's nothing... uh, Retrospectively, let's count up these goals. you you did feel like what is going on is this is just crazy. And it was then you went back and went, Oh yeah, and we were in the, were in the rowing this morning. And we were on the cycling this afternoon. Um but yeah, for that forty five minutes it was
0: absolutely electric. That it just seems like a massive ground swell, you know, like it like a wave just crashing those forty 40- five minutes would just be so exhilarating like to what to be in a stadium and watch that even to be at home in your living room watching that yeah and even even if you're not british and you've got no vested interest in it it's still extraordinary isn't it i think there's something special about a host nation winning medals i think you know that's why what made like kathy freeman moment really special was because she was australian in australia Mm-hmm. um winning that in front of the home crowd i think there's something really special when that happens but to have it in such a short time frame i, I can't really remember any other olympics where they had such significant wins in such a small space of time
1: yeah i mean it was it was cr- incredible as i say i was just over the road and the atmosphere it just it felt unbelievable really it just felt I What's going to happen next? Like, are there any more events? Can we can we get any more golds today? Um, You know, you start to get greedy for them because it just it it was just an incredible uh, momentum. And as I say, you know, Greg Rutherford is probably a bit of a household name here now, um, whereas some of the other uh, athletes that won gold at that Olympics perhaps aren't. But I think it's because he's sandwiched in between Jess Ennis and and Mo Farah. you know in, in this incredible 43 minutes of of olympic history for for the british team um and faro wasn't finished there you know he went on to win another gold uh, a week later in the 5000 meters um which i think was probably maybe well i mean he just dominated those sort of distances uh, for years and has obviously subsequently gone into to run marathons um but he was you know the the king of these distances and you know he still is just an incredible athlete for for british um athletics um and yeah that, that, as i said the whole the whole of team g b had a had a great twenty twelve um it was the most successful Olympic Games since 1908. As I said, they secured 65 medals across 39 disciplines, 29 of which were gold, 17 silver, and 19 bronze. Um, and they ended up finishing third on the medal table. Now, obviously, I know there's always a bit of a, a boost for the home host nation, but for, for, for Britain to finish third, and for a long time, they were actually first or second uh, in the medal table. For, you know, for a long for a long period of that two weeks, it was uh, yeah, just absolutely remarkable.
0: Well, I believe the was it the county of Yorkshire would have medal like they would have placed sixth if they oh sixth or seventh, some something yeah. like <laughs> that. Yeah, you know, if you ever meet anybody from
1: from Yorkshire, then they'll they'll be sure to tell you all about how great they are. <laughs> But yeah they that, they had, they had incredible games and if it's funny actually one of the one of the legacy things they did was they changed a lot of um the post box uh that would be near your house uh you know so I think Jess Ennis is from Sheffield um they, they they would take out the the red post box, the iconic British red post box, and replace it with a golden one. And uh, probably not real gold. Paint. I imagine they just painted it gold. Uh, yes, yes, That yes. would be, be really expensive, wouldn't it? Yeah,
0: considering those post boxes are made to be bomb-proof out of like cast iron. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <sure. laughs> probably I'm not sure real gold. Just a- just the liquor paints, yeah yeah, but um, uh but yeah, so that was wow. that,
1: that was quite cool, but if you go to Yorkshire, then yeah there's golden post boxes everywhere, and that that's sort of the reason why
0: <laughs> that that is uh, really amazing, but I think um to to reflect back on that it's been actually what 20 something minutes of uh really nice reflection. <laughs> <laughs> and i feel like i'm gonna finish recording this matt and switch on the news <laughs> and weep <laughs> what's become of uh of team gb but um they went on to there was a legacy there wasn't there in terms of uh the success of that olympic team it did give i suppose we probably britain won't see the the complete legacy because a lot of children grew up watching that event and then or even just that afternoon, they would have been inspired. Maybe take up a sport or try something. There is certainly a bounce after that, which might not be realised for another, you know, a uh, few years after the Olympics. And uh, certainly in in Rio, and um, there was a, a bounce from that, a confidence. So it it is significant, isn't it? And I think what was impressive about the Team GB was the the focused investments. Like they they really identified the sports where they could make a material difference they didn't just throw a lot of money um haphazardly at it but they did target events and they they did target the rowing the cycling cycling and also those identifying those people who could win on the track as well Mm -hmm. um which i think is a very smart way to go about it for particularly for countries who um you know feel like they're they've only got so much money to to go around but it's also a bit of a, a sadness that a lot of uh, British athletes do uh, struggle with funding, etc. Um, so hopefully, you know that that certainly days like that give a boost to uh, you know investments as well. So don't know what I'm talking about now, but we'll uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely cut the last uh, 49 seconds out. Um, well, Matt, thanks so much. That was a definite a golden day, a golden moment, many golden moments in that golden day, um, Super Saturday. And thanks so much uh, for listening to The Wheel of Sport. Make sure that you tell your friends about it, review us wherever you get your podcasts, and get in touch with us at The Wheel of Sport on Twitter, on Instagram, or thewheelofsport at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time for one of the greatest sports stories ever told. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks so much.
1: You beauty.